1: Everybody, David Brody here. Boy, that's some uh, snazzy, jazzy music, as my father would say. Welcome, everybody. First edition of my new show, The Pod's Honest Truth. Appreciate uh, you checking me out. And by the way, you got to like that little pun there, The Pod's Honest Truth. We'll explain more about that a little bit later. You know, The God's Honest Truth, right? You got it? Okay. Like I needed to explain that. Maybe I need to explain it for millennials, Gen Z's, definitely for sure. I've got a Gen Zer. At, at home. So uh, we'll have to kind of go over that with her. Uh, so I've been at the Christian Broadcasting Network for a long time. CBN News, you may have heard of us. We're the folks with the, uh, you know, the John 316 sign with the in the end zone with the curly hair. Just kidding. Look it up. Um, but now, you know, I'm happy to announce I'm part of a new project. So in addition to CBN, what's going to be happening here is I'm going to also be senior contributing editor uh, of Just the News. And of course, Just the News is this news digital site Dedicated to giving you the facts, not spins. So, we're going to bring important context uh, on the inner workings of Washington politics. It's often ignored by the mainstream media. Uh, And look, we're going to have a lot of interesting reporting as well. Uh, You're not going to get it anywhere else. And we're going to have some video on the site, uh, podcasts from my colleagues like John Solomon. We all know about John. Ask Adam Schiff. Uh, by the way, uh, he, he's quoted John a few times, uh, uh, Cheryl Atkinson, uh, you know, who, who will be along as well, so uh, she'll have investigative reports, a whole lot more. Uh, obviously, I'm thrilled to be a part uh, of this new endeavor. So once again, w- want you to check it out, justthenews.com. I'd spell it for you, but I mean, it's not that hard, obviously, justthenews.com, and I'm not going to even do the HTTPS and the, colon- the whole thing. You, you get the idea. So um, This Pod's Honest Truth podcast basically is part of just the news. It really is. It's going to tackle uh, important topics in faith and politics. We're going to have some fun along the way. I know you're either on a commute or you're doing nothing, or you're. I I, I don't want to insult you by saying you're doing nothing, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, maybe you're working out, or I don't know what it is, but. Anyhow, we're going to have newsmaker interviews. We'll do deep dive discussions. Prominent news figures will be here uh, about the current news of the day. We're going to focus on uh, culture, religion. We're really going to kind of give you a clear eye view of the issue. Look, we're not going to spin it like the media. I know they love to do that. We're not going to do that here. We're just going to kind of give it to you straight. Uh, and for this inaugural podcast, if we can get a drum roll, do we have a budget for this? Apparently not. No drum roll. Just kidding. That's all right. We'll add sound effects in later as we go. Uh, I couldn't really be more pleased to have this special guest for my inaugural show. Here we go. Vice President Mike Pence. That's right. Uh, I caught up with him. I actually went to Jerusalem day trip, by the way, a day trip to Jerusalem. Long story. I'll tell you about it in a moment. But I spoke to him overlooking the Western Wall, Jerusalem. Uh, he was part of an international delegation of leaders commemorating the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz uh, at the Fifth World Holocaust Forum. So you're going to hear all of that interview right here. Now, look, you, m- you might see a clip here and there uh, around, but this is where you're going to get it all just on, not only on varnish, but in full And that's really what Just the News is trying to do, you know, to just give you uh, the facts and give you the news, give you what they say. And then, of course, um, we'll provide a little context for that uh, along the way. Now, the vice president, he had a lot to say said a lot of powerful things to me. Uh, We shared a falafel, that's not true. That is actually not the news, that's a lie. Uh, But I just did it for humor's sake and clearly it fell flat. Um, Anyhow, we talked about the rise of anti-Semitism that we're seeing, not just in the US, around the world. Uh, And of course, since we were in the Middle East, we couldn't ignore Iran. It's right there on the doorstep. And last time I checked, they're, they're not big fans of Israel. So we'll talk about that with the vice president. It's all coming up. And we also talk about the way this administration is trying to isolate the Iranian regime. And so some great stuff there. Once again, that's uh, all about that maximum pressure campaign that we will discuss with the VP. Uh, Also, you've probably heard about that New York Times report claiming that John Bolton's unpublished book, manuscript, in essence, says that Trump tied up military aid to Ukraine. Now, of course, that was the headline there. We're going to talk about more of that in a moment uh the headline is a bit misleading maybe more than a bit we'll talk about it uh this comes basically amid growing calls by the democrats to hear testimony they want to hear from the former national security advisor and pence has some interesting things to say about what uh potential bolton testimony would mean for the impeachment trial so i asked him that from the uh, western wall location in jerusalem We're going to get into all of that, obviously, but first I want to tell you how this Pod's Honest Truth uh, podcast came into being. And I have to just tell you, basically, uh, I started to think to myself, well, what are we about? We're about uh, faith and politics and culture and news of the day and newsmakers. And I said, well, you know. I do, uh, you know, I've worked at CBN for a while, so maybe I need to put a little faith thing in there. And then we threw out some names and I was kind of brainstorming with myself, which I do often just by myself, which is pretty much makes me relatively a loser. Uh, but then uh, I, I said, hmm, the pods, honest truth. And then literally it just came, it, boom, it just kind of went off the paper there. And uh, and there it was. I just felt like it had a good ring to it. More importantly, Uh, We're not only just a podcast, but we're trying to give you, once again, just the news, uh, the honest truth. And so there you have it, the pod's honest uh, truth. So basically each episode, look, we're going to give you a little water cooler topic. Uh, We'll do it in a new way. We're going to strip away the media bias. Uh, You can come here to kind of get a sense of what people are talking about. But more than that, what people might not be talking about that they need to be talking about so we're gonna expose stories of how the national media basically puts opinion supposition subliminal sometimes not so subliminal indoctrination into their coverage on issues Uh, and then we're gonna talk about it honestly and look uh, if we're gonna talk about media indoctrination uh, look I could be here until um, uh, Armageddon whenever that is I'm not sure I have to look at my calendar when Armageddon is but I think it's coming up well some people say relatively soon I would say maybe a thousand years but the bottom line is uh we have a lot to talk about over the next thousand years uh because media indoctrination is a big deal so there's really a whole host of reasons uh why you really do want to subscribe to the pod's honest truth uh, one just narcissistically help me out if you subscribe i look at it and i go wow i have more subscribers and then i get really excited um and, and so it just it feeds my narcissism so, so obviously that's important uh but here's where you can find me itunes stitcher that's not like any sort of garment situation. It's just Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcast. So really, don't forget to click uh, to click that subscribe button, and do me a favor. Could you rate me and leave a review? And um, by the way, if it's if it's if it's not very nice, uh, here here's a tip. Don't leave me a review. Okay, just kidding. You, you want to leave me? Re- Look, just the news. If it's your news and you don't like me, that's fine. Say it, but don't tell my mother. She's pretty sensitive about that. All right, uh, hang on. We're going to pay some bills here. When we come back, we're going to hear from the vice president, Michael Pence. Did I just call him Michael? I don't know if he's going to like that. Anyhow, Vice President Mike Pence, after the break.
2: Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says, criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. All right, welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody, yours
1: truly, Narcissistic Note. Got to get my name in there, of course. We're going to get to the Pencil interview here in a moment, but I do want to talk about uh, John Bolton and the New York Times. Uh, Look, you you read about that New York Times article. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Bolton apparently has his book out uh, that's coming out and talks about how Trump actually said you got to withhold the aid uh, until the Bidens are investigated and all of that or announce an investigation and all of that. I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I need to take a few excedrin because, look, the significance of all of this is that, first of all, uh, the actual discussion revealed no clue about what President Trump actually said to Bolton regarding Ukrainian aid. So, for example, if you go down in the story, and this is what the media does a lot, they have a big sensational headline and then you start reading the article and go, well, wait a minute, what happened to the headline? I mean, I, I don't see any of that. And indeed, if you pick through that New York Times article, uh, there is not a quote at all from that Bolton book at all about Ukrainian aid. I mean, it's just not there. So you have that. And then instead, what you see halfway down the article is quotes about how he talked about Russia investigations and what the New York Times calls conspiracy theories and all of that. You never hear about Ukrainian aid. So we really have no idea what exactly Bolton told Trump. Uh, according to the book, but the headline makes it sound like Bolton is the human smoking gun here. Uh, and so, look, that, that's a problem to begin with in terms of the journalistic nature of this. A- and quite frankly, let me be honest, I believe that I can say these words pretty, pretty succinctly and pretty uh, fervently, that this is journalistic malpractice. Because why? In the article, they say multiple people, when it comes to their sources, they're talking multiple people that's how they describe their sources well hold on for a second i mean that's a that's like five steps below a government official look reader it's important that readers know okay we understand maybe you don't know this you're not going to reveal the full source but you have to give a sense of where this source is coming from the justice department uh the national security council whatever it happens to be but instead we get multiple people well look Multiple people. Who's who's that? The guy at my local deli? I mean, I don't know who this guy or person or woman, whoever it is, is. And that's a problem because you need to understand where that source is coming from. All sources have an agenda. It's important that those sources, if not get revealed entirely, obviously, uh, that you at least have a little bit more than that person is a person and that's it multiple people that's all they said so i really believe the reader is obviously entitled to more know more about that source especially on such an important uh story uh all right uh now vice president mike pence i want to before i begin i have to thank my colleagues over at the christian broadcasting network for making this interview happen so here it is uh part one mike pence mr vice president Thank you for doing this interview. Great to see you in Jerusalem.
0: Oh, it's uh, great great to see you in Jerusalem, and it's uh, so good to be back in the Holy Land.
1: The Holocaust, anti-Semitism. Let's get right to that. That's why you're here. Uh, what was it like for you to uh, be at that commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz? What was going through your mind from a, a personal standpoint to, to, to kind of feel what what some of that was like?
0: Well, I just for me, it, it was... Uh, It was inspiring to see nearly 50 countries come together. Kings and presidents and prime ministers all united around the message never again. 75 years uh, since the liberation of of Auschwitz and and yet uh, the the stories still tear at our hearts and they should. Uh, what, What happened in that place, what happened in the Holocaust, was the darkest chapter in human history. Six million Jews lost their lives uh, to Nazi oppression and tyranny, and it was Allied forces, including two million American GIs, that came, and liberated the continent. And so, for me to be there, uh, to speak about uh, the progress that we've made over the last 75 years, uh, and to do so in a year where Karen and I visited Auschwitz. We walked the grounds. Um, uh, we, as, as I said today, it's, it's impossible to walk those grounds without, without feeling deep emotion and grief. Uh, and yet, uh, uh, while while uh, while Auschwitz was a dark chapter in human history, it also represents uh, a victory and a triumph for freedom, because ultimately, we overcame. Uh, we defeated the Nazi tyranny, uh, and the world 75 years later understands understands the, um, what happened there and is resolved, 50 countries resolved, to say never again.
1: And now we see, in the present day, this rise of anti-Semitism, not just we in do. Europe, but in America. What, what do you attribute that to specifically? And I'm curious about some of the folks that have spoken out for the BDS uh, movement, if you will, and and we've heard some folks fix, call Israel the oppressor here. What what are some of your thoughts? on Well, that? there
0: is a rising tide of vile anti-Semitism that's emerging, all around the world. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it result in violence at synagogues in Pittsburgh and in Los Angeles, and the loss of life. And but we've also seen it manifested in in rhetoric. Not only the the uh... the bds movement attempting to get people to divest uh, from israel thinly veiled anti-semitism but even in the halls of congress uh, we've heard anti-semitic rhetoric that uh... that has not been roundly and universally condemned as it should be referring to ilan omar and Rashida Tlaib people like that who have said well Sir, for people to traffic in in anti-semitic slurs and tropes and not be held to account for that uh, it's just unacceptable But the good news is, and you saw it here at the 75th anniversary of Auschwitz, uh, the the world is mobilizing. The American people are aware of it. You look at the recent elections in the United Kingdom and it was understood to be that the the Liberal Party's tolerance of latent anti-Semitism was seen as one of the reasons why they lost in a landslide in recent elections. I think the, the people understand the dangers Based on the lessons of 75 years ago, mm-hmm. that even allowing anti-Semitic rhetoric, let alone violence, to take place in our society, but it, it requires, you know, constant vigilance. You know, when I was a member of Congress, the only Holocaust survivor to ever serve in Congress, the late Tom Lantos, came to my office, David, mm-hmm. and asked me to co-found the Anti-Semitism Caucus. Mm-hmm. I was honored to do that. He wanted to. He wanted to co-found the caucus with an evangelical Christian and conservative, and I was humbled by that. And the truth is that that that, that a rejection of, of anti-Semitic rhetoric or worse should be universal hmm. in our society, in our public debate, and we'll continue to demand that.
1: You know, it's interesting you brought up Tom Lantos. I remember our conversation about that, and I'm wondering about for folks that don't understand why evangelical Christians support Israel so much, I mean, he came to you. There was a reason for that. Um, can you educate folks as to why evangelical Christians have a love for Israel, have a love for the Jewish people? Uh, I'd be curious to get your response to that, especially here in Jerusalem, the Holy City.
0: Well, to be in the Holy Land is always so moving to me, to to be just uh, a block away from stones where Jesus walked uh, to uh, to travel to the ruins of Capernaum to go where the Sermon on the Mount was presented all make for an incredible connection. They were the anthems of our youth, the lessons of of Sunday school. But as you know, David, it's deeper than that. Uh, for Christian believers, it is. It, it we're, we're grounded in the conviction that we're called to bless Israel. That the Bible tells us that those who bless her will be blessed and those who curse her will be cursed and really since before the american founding americans called for the restoration of israel to the promised land and and when israel was restored in nineteen forty eight america was the first nation on earth to recognize the jewish state of israel and we've been with them every step of the way because it's a heart connection Mm -hmm. as president trump said it's 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 bonds of of, of heart and faith that really connect us. And, uh, and I think that, that accounts for why, why uh, Christians and Jews, tens of millions of Americans, consider Israel, as I do, our most cherished ally. Moving to Iran, an enemy of Israel, clearly. Um, we
1: see the protesters in the street. There's a yearning for freedom there. Is the Islamic Republic of Iran in danger of potentially falling after 40-plus years now?
0: Well, I think it's yet to be seen, but President Trump has made it clear through social media and, and, and public statements that, that we're with the people of Iran. We want them to have a brighter future. Um, we, we want them to, to have an opportunity to live free of the oppression of the Ayatollahs in Tehran. Um, and our hope is that as we continue to see popular movements across Iran, that there will be a movement. But let me, let me be clear. We're, our objective is not regime change. We want the regime to change. Uh, President Trump, by taking the action he took uh, to take Soleimani off the battlefield, uh, President Trump has made it clear that we're not going to tolerate violence by Iran or violence by Iranian surrogates and the militias in Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know, when one American life was lost, this president ordered airstrikes on five Iranian-backed militia bases in northern Iraq. We, we sent a very clear message that we're not tolerating uh, the, their propagation of violence and terrorism across the region. They responded, mm-hmm. missiles were fired, but thanks to the professionalism of our military on the ground. There were, were no casualties, no serious injuries, and Iran continues to stand down from that confrontation. So look, the president's made it clear we're prepared to make peace with whoever wants to make peace with us. But, uh, but the, the tyrants in Tehran should know uh, that this president, uh, this administration will never allow Iran to obtain a nuclear weapon. We will continue to stand strong with Israel for her security and her prosperity, and we will continue to stand up to Iran as they propagate anti-Semitism and propagate terrorist violence across the region.
1: When those protests were going on in Iran, I was struck by the fact that no Democrats for president, running for president, said a word, whether it be on the debate or on Twitter. I mean, it just seemed like it wasn't happening. Did that take you by surprise, or you weren't surprised?
0: Well, I. I I have to tell you, I I go back again to the Green Revolution during the Obama administration, Um, and and the Obama administration remained silent while while tens of thousands of people in Iran took to the streets ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I partnered with a Democrat in Congress, authored a resolution that passed almost unanimously in the Congress, and then it passed on a bipartisan basis in the Senate. And only then did the Obama administration respond. I mean, look. There's an old saying that politics ought to end at the water's edge. Uh, And the truth is, I think the American people want to see Democrats in Congress give the partisanship a rest at the water's edge. We ought to all be united. Standing with Israel, we ought to all be united to contain Iran. President Trump made the decision to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal, and it was the right decision. And now that we've we've really laid bare uh, Iran's malign activities uh, over the last three years, uh, the world is taking notice, and and we have an opportunity finally to begin to bring the world community, many of which were represented here in Jerusalem today, to the table to really continue to isolate Iran economically and diplomatically.
1: I had a day trip, by the way, to Jerusalem on that. I'll, I'll explain more about that in a moment uh, as to how that whole interview came. About, But I thought what was interesting is when Mike Pence uh, just got finished saying that the objective with Iran is not regime change, he says. He says, we want the regime to change. And look, this is markedly different from the Obama administration, right? I mean, we knew with the Obama administration, and they got criticized at the time for basically placating Iran, uh, going going soft, uh, trying to kind of bring them to the table. And that was their strategy. But with uh, the Trump administration, clearly they're trying to project strength. Uh, when I went over to the Middle East, talked to some folks over in Jerusalem, they said, look, that that is what is respected in this part of the world. I, I would argue that strength is respected as long as it's done in a in a proper and respectful way. Strength is uh, respected uh, everywhere in the world. But, but specifically in the Middle East, strength is respected. And so the only way sometimes uh, if someone's a bully, right, what do you got to do? You got to punch the bully in the face. And uh, that clearly is the Trump uh, maximum pressure campaign, and that's what they're trying to do. Uh, he also said this: the Vice President. He talked about these anti, the anti-Semitic rhetoric that has not been roundly and universally condemned as it should be, uh, and of course that led to this idea that in the halls of Congress, with Democrats, uh, there have been uh, some anti-Semitic remarks coming from, whether it be Elon Omar or Rashida Tlaib. They've been criticized for that. But let's let's also you know hear just the news. We want to give you just the news. That's not just part of the story. The other part of the story is look, there are some, especially American Jews, and they're liberal, they're not Trump fans, uh, but they're also uh concerned about some of that anti-Semitic trope um uh wording and innuendo that is coming from the president himself. They they believe he's dabbling in anti Semitic tropes. Uh you know in Times talking in speeches about, you know, uh, rich Jews and how they love money and and, of course, how Jews in America need to love Israel, which they believe, obviously, is a, is a trope uh, as well as it relates to why should Jews be loyal to Israel? They should be loyal to America first or go back to Israel. That's your country, that type of uh, rhetoric. Not that the president has said that. But the point is, is that what, what I find interesting and, and, you know, I grew up Jewish. Uh, I'm, a, as we call, a Jewish believer, uh, a, a Christian uh, who grew up Jewish. Uh, but I feel more Jewish now than I ever have before. Uh, but. I'm sensitive to what the American Jews are saying from a liberal perspective about some of what Donald Trump has said as well. So I think that is worth exploring as we move on in the Pod's Honest Truth podcast. That, that's redundant, isn't it? The Pod's Honest Truth. Um, because it, it goes to, I believe, a, a story that really hasn't been given as much legs as it needs to, which is what American Jews believe about Donald Trump and the fact that they believe he is actually dabbling in those anti-Semitic tropes. And you don't hear much about that in the news. And so that's something we'll want to explore uh, because we're going to explore both sides. Finally, I-, I thought what was interesting also with Pence there in the interview, and I had to ask him this, I work for CBN, you know, what the media gets wrong about Christians and the Jewish people. You know, there's this sense that, you know, why people can't understand why in the world evangelicals embrace uh, the Jewish people. And we're talking about these Bible-believing evangelicals, the church crowd, potluck on a on a Sunday uh, afternoon at church. You know, you know, those people, so to speak, you know why? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it, but it but it really goes back to what he said in the answer, which I'm glad he explained it, which is back to the Bible, genesis twelve three. Uh basically, uh, America's going to be blessed uh, if if Israel's blessed. So if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed as well. and and, and that's part of it. And of course, we, we know that that Jewish and Christian uh, biblical history is intertwined between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there's just kind of a common bond uh, between the two. And, and I thought that was important to to really talk about uh, with the vice president, who has come under, obviously, a lot of criticism for being a Bible-believing evangelical, which, by the way, I think we should do a Pod's Honest Truth uh, episode on that coming up soon, which we will. All right, back in a moment uh, with more from the Mike Pence interview, including his views. That's right, we saved it for last. The best for last is views on John Bolton testifying. We're back in a moment. You know, I used to think New Year knew me. Yeah, right, more like new year, new wrinkles. With every passing year, we all look older, but now that has all changed thanks to this magic in a bottle, Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum. It's like I turn back the clock instead of ringing in another new year. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It really is the easiest New Year's resolution I've ever made, all I had to do was apply this powerful serum to my problem areas within 10 minutes guess what i was a new me and the best part is there's no surgery no botox involved all natural simply put i am blown away by the results ring in 2020 with confidence knowing plexiderm is going to give you smooth younger looking skin in minutes i could use it the best part is it goes on clear so nobody even knows i'm using it Leave your under eye bags and wrinkles in 2019 with Plexiderm. Bye bye bags and wrinkles and hello to the new me. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code voices for 50% off, plus by the way, an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is only available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code voices. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, by the way. So visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use code
2: VOICES at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com, code VOICES. Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com.
1: All right, we're back here on the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. I got to tell you, that music, it is jazzy. It's snazzy. It's kind of catchy. I like it. I'm going to have to play it before I go to bed every night. Can you imagine that conversation with my wife? Hey, honey, uh, time to go to bed. Let's put on the podcast music. And she's like, you're crazy. Leave me alone. All right. Uh, No, she wouldn't say that. She'd say it. Like that and then say please um anyhow uh john bolton and mike pence we're going to get to that in a moment i I should tell you that regarding this bolton uh potential bombshell testimony that we'll see whether or not it even becomes a bombshell but a senior administration official told me that john bolton and this is the the words of the senior administration official here we go that john bolton is quote a world-class jerk Uh, who had deep policy and agenda differences with Trump. So that's kind of the view inside the administration. Uh, That's not analysis. That's not spin. That's just news. That's, In other words, that's what they are saying and how they feel about John Bolton, uh, not just inside the White House, but uh, definitely around the administration uh, writ large. And they also say, look, even if this uh, New York Times report is true, it doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. But really the question is, will John Bolton even testify And what does that mean? Anyhow, here is the rest of my discussion with the Vice President, Mike Pence from Jerusalem. Couple questions on impeachment. I must ask you, uh, Democrats want to see John Bolton testify. Do you have any reason to believe John Bolton has any information that uh, would be worthy of bringing him
0: forward? Well, I I think all the call for additional witnesses and evidence uh, just proves how weak a case the democrats rushed through the house of representatives it really is amazing i mean this comes down to a phone call that the president made with president zelensky of ukraine people can read the transcript of the call they can see there was no quid pro quo the president did nothing wrong Um, beyond that the democrats rushed this partisan impeachment through the house and now having sat on their partisan impeachment for a month they come to the senate having told us that they have an overwhelming case against the president Mm -hmm. saying now they need new evidence, they need new witnesses. And I I hold the view that that the Senate ought to evaluate this partisan impeachment, the articles, the evidence that were amassed in the House, look at everything that they've brought over and make their decision. I think when they look at those facts, Mm -hmm. uh, this president will be acquitted. And frankly, we'll put this chapter, this partisan impeachment in the rearview mirror and maybe, just maybe, uh, get the Democrats in Congress to begin to focus on the things that President Trump and I have always focused on every day of this administration, making America more secure, making our borders more secure, making our economy more prosperous, seeing conservatives appointed to our courts at every level, focusing on the things that matter most to the American people. What is your message to some of those moderate
1: Republicans, the four or five that might be out there that are thinking about siding with the Democrats potentially in about a week or so on witnesses? What's your message to those Republicans out
0: there? I, I would just I would just say that the... I think the American people see this for what it is. Uh, this is a, a partisan impeachment that really has just been the latest chapter of a three-year effort to overturn the results of the 2016 election. I mean, everywhere I go across the country, I got to tell you that people in diners, people that I stop and talk to on the street, people that I see at rallies, all, David, it's like they know what's going on. I mean, For two and a half years, it was Russia collusion until the Mueller report found no collusion, no obstruction, case closed. And then it seemed like there was only a brief intermission and all of a sudden we're off on a partisan impeachment over a phone call the president made with a world leader, a phone call that the American people can read. And I would just say to every member of the Senate, not just Republicans, but even Democrats of goodwill, is just look at the facts of this case. I think they will see the president did nothing wrong. They'll see this partisan impeachment for what it is. Mm-hmm. There's not even a crime that is alleged, let alone a high crime or misdemeanor or treason or bribery. Mm-hmm. And they'll reject this, these two articles, uh, and acquit the president, and, and allow our country to focus back on the issues that matter most, and frankly, uh, focus on the election that is just 10 months away. Mm. All right. As we
1: wrap up here, let me ask you about uh, Benjam- Benjamin Netanyahu close personal friend. You know him. You like him. Uh, you've been through a lot with him. He's going through a lot here in Israel. Election's coming up. What uh, what kind of counsel have you given to him? What, what has that been like? Because he has been going through quite a bit. I'm talking about from a personal standpoint here.
0: Well, I have great admiration uh, for Prime Minister Netanyahu. And I know President Trump does as well. But we also respect uh, the right of the people of Israel to choose their leadership and we know there's another election just around the corner. And, and our message is, is, is very, very clear. And it's a message that I delivered to not only the Prime Minister today, but to General Gantz when we talked briefly uh, at the Holocaust memorial service. And that is that uh, under the leadership of President Donald Trump, America stands with Israel. Uh, we'll let Israel sort out their leadership decisions. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to stand for Israel's security, for her prosperity. Uh, and, and the American people can know and rely on that. And, uh, uh, and I, I, have to, I have to tell you, when you hear about the popularity President Trump has here in Israel, yeah. a president who, unlike four of his predecessors, actually moved the American embassy here to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, mm-hmm. he recognized the Golan Heights as a part of Israel. We've taken one step after another to demonstrate that America stands strong with Israel, and uh, that'll never change.
1: Mr. Vice President, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. And that was the second part of our interview with Vice President Mike Pence in Jerusalem. Uh, A few thoughts. You know, he talked about how the Democrats rushed this partisan impeachment through the House. Um, Look, I don't think you need a fact check on that. Uh, That's 100 percent accurate. Um, Why is that? Well, look, John Bolton Uh, they wanted to call John Bolton, uh, but eventually never subpoenaed John Bolton. Uh, And here we are potentially having John Bolton as a witness, but the House didn't want to wait, and they drew up the articles of impeachment anyhow. And I think it's important to understand here, look, let's just let the Democrats' words speak for themselves. They specifically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they basically said... We've got plenty of evidence. We don't need Mick Mulvaney. We don't need John Bolton. We don't need Rudy Giuliani. We don't need Secretary Pompeo. It's going to take too long in the courts and they're going to fight it. And so, you know what? We're good because we've got plenty of evidence. This is an airtight case. And now, all of a sudden, they've got to hear from John Bolton. Well, why exactly? I, really, that it does become. A question that a lot of people should ask, which is, well, why do they need to hear from John Bolton now when they already said their impeachment case was rock solid without John Bolton? Something to think about. Uh, also, how this is all playing in Peoria, I, I have to tell you, and look, n- no no offense to the House managers and uh, Donald Trump's lawyers, but uh, it- it's been a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, and once again, I have to tell you, if I'm choosing between that and the price is right, I'm wondering why is the price is right preempted for this. Uh, It's been a bit of a snooze fest, and it's not just me saying that. I mean, the ratings, if you've seen the ratings for the Senate impeachment trial, it's been a disaster. So uh, most people, obviously, I, I think... The, the the consensus here, and this is what Mike Pence was talking to me about, uh, he says it was a perfect call, that he's done nothing wrong. Uh, I'm not quite sure if people necessarily think it was a perfect call and he did nothing wrong. What I think most people think is that Trump probably did something he shouldn't have done. It wasn't how you draw it up. Uh, it wasn't right from a protocol standpoint or however you want to call it. Uh, but it doesn't rise to the level uh, of impeachment. And I think that is the question. It's a Uh, maybe the difference between uh, you know uh, a felony and I don't want to say a misdemeanor but the point is is that you know two different levels here and I think that is the big disconnect not just between Democrats and Republicans but I think it's a disconnect between Democrats and the electorate uh, especially independents in the middle uh, and and also uh, a lot of folks that just don't follow this very closely and of course we'll all find out Uh, whether or not this is going to be a a, a final nail in the coffin for Donald Trump not now obviously uh, but in November on November 3rd when we have the the November election so all right that uh, does it that's uh, Mike Pence obviously a first ever pods honest truth we're we're in the books that that's it I mean uh, I I don't know I mean I kind of feel excited I don't know about you Uh, you know take a breath. Uh, but really, a lot of thanks to CBN for the interview. I want you to check back here. We're going to have more great interviews, more analysis about the news. Top newsmakers will come on. We'll delve into some issues. And once again, you can find The Pod's Honest Truth on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcast. I don't know where you get your podcast, but wherever you do it, uh, check out The Pod's Honest Truth. Don't forget to rate the show. Leave a review. Yes, I'll just remind you again, if you want to leave a review and you hated me, look, uh, if you hated the show, please don't leave a review. All right, fine, leave a review. You know, I can take it. I've got a thick skin. Anyhow, by the way, each time you leave a review, it does make it possible for more and more people to find the show. Find me. So that is good. And you can also find me at justthenews.com. I'm there, of course, with other great podcasts and investigative reports. You've got John Solomon, uh, Cheryl Atkinson. And and a lot more. So that does it for now. I am David Brody, The Pod's Honest Truth, Episode 1 in the Books. We've got a lot more to discuss as we move forward. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.